Jeremiah 18, in the room, in the room. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, house of Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. I'll pause it there. Father, we pray as we uh, inhabit this image of a potter and the clay, of being formed and shaped, as we think through uh, what it is to be prepared, to be centered on the wheel, to be transformed into a thing of beauty, to be uh, fired and uh, completed in the kiln. Lord, all these metaphors around this great metaphor of a potter and his clay speak to us. Holy Spirit on Pentecost, fire our imagination shape our wills in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. My little entree here is um, on Jubilee weekend to, to think about um, Her Majesty the Queen, her, her dedicated, 70 years dedicated service. I was really struck by, um, and again, this is the book that Will was referring to, copies over there. We'd love you to have a, a complimentary copy on us. But I was just struck by, by reading some of the things uh, she, um, she said. Let me just get the first. This was on her 21st birthday, so before she was, um, she was uh, crowned queen. But she made this speech on her 21st birthday. She said, I declare before you, sorry, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join me in it, as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow, and God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. And uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time encouraged her with, to, to sort of help her to shape these words on her coronation. She said, I've not chosen this office for myself. He, referring to God, has appointed me to it, and I go to be consecrated to it by him. And because he leads, I may follow in complete trust. And she said this prayer uh, on her coronation pray that, or uh, around her coronation, pray that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. And I don't know whether you, how much you sort of tuned into the, to the celebrations and stuff. I was just really struck by, by I, was, I was watching the thing on telly last night and just really struck by uh, Prince Charles, in particular, his words to mummy, um, and the commentator's sort of reflection on his words, that the, the, the great affection that there seemed to be not only live in the sort of 22,000 in the mall, but kind of across the, the country. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't get political, I'm not 
you know, I'm not standing here as a, as a royalist, I'm not anti-royalist, I'm just, I'm just looking at a person and respecting her dignity and character and commitment and faithfulness and service. Uh, and this sense that actually, you know, several generations beneath her, you know, young people today living, if you like, in, a, in what, what's emerging to be a very different era from the era in which she, as a young woman, spoke those words, have huge admiration and respect for this life of service. She, she speaks of being devoted to service. All of whether, I, whether I live long or short, <laughs> long as it turns out, devoted to service. And I guess my question leading into the, the, the kind of context that the people of God in Jeremiah's time, and it's again, I often find it's remarkable how, how similar the situation and the context is in our times. What, what happens when you, a life devoted to serving others and ultimately to serving the other, to serving God first? What happens when a, a culture or a society, as they did in Jeremiah's day, and as I'd argue that rapidly is happening in the sort of western part of the world in our day, when you abandon belief in or adherence to the other, the, the king of kings, to God. What, what happens then to one's disposition, one's priorities? Uh, is one, <laughs> to use that language, <laughs> is one so disposed to serving the other? if I lose sight of the one who ultimately makes sense of the whole of my life. As a guy called Charles Taylor, who's written a kind of you know, huge book, many people, including myself, have not read the book. We've read commentaries on the book. Um, I, and I confess I'm, I'm one of those. Charles Taylor, A Secular Age, uh, The Making of Modern Identity. And he, he, talk, he just tracks how we have got to where we are in the kind of so-called Western culture. He, he talks about a, a sense of duty dissipating, the, the, the like of which you hear echoed in Queen Elizabeth's comments as a young woman, and uh, that we've sort of been overtaken by desire. That if there's, there's no sort of reference to the other, then, you, then who do you refer to for a sense of worth or value? Will you, you, you refer to the, the person that you know best, yourself. So your sense of worth, of, of dignity, of, of purpose, of what am I doing? It's, it's referenced on a, a sense of self. So you find validation in yourself. And so you ultimately serve. You give yourself to yourself because you are the ultimate validator and no one else counts. That's why we live with epithets like you do you. Or be true to yourself. You, those, yeah. Or I mean, way back. This is way before your time. But um, uh, search for the hero inside yourself. Was, well, I don't know what number that got to in the back in the eighties. But that was the kind of mantra. You, you, you're the hero. You've just got to find it in yourself. Don't look to anyone else to validate the hero in you. Taylor says that society used to seek truth and meaning and purpose outside of the individual. We would, we would you know, what is, what is good and noble and true and worthwhile? 
And then I will give my life to that. I will look to shape my life, or allow my life to be shaped towards what I discern to be good, noble, true around me. And you hear that echoed in Queen Elizabeth. Is this, this, this office, is, I haven't chosen it, it's been bestowed upon me. And so with God's strength, I will do my very best to exercise this office bestowed on me to serve others. But, but where we've shifted to in, in her lifetime is, is one where we, we no longer seek to discern truth. We are the ones who determine it. A few months ago, Johnny Patterson, member of our congregation, he, he sort of spoke here about, um, about this whole idea of deconstruction, that we, we take um, what, they, what they term a, a meta-narrative, an, an overarching story that sort of helps to make sense of all the other stories within it, a kind of an umbrella, a sort of arc of coherence. And, and he was saying, actually, the, the trend is to just say, no, there is, no, we, we just pull it apart, we tear it up. There is no overarching story. There is nothing that makes sense. It's just each person for themselves. You be you. But if there's no absolute truth, there's no meta-narrative, there's no story above or beyond us that helps to bring coherence to our lives, then you become your own validator. And we're all of us scrabbling around, competing with one another in order to try and make sense of our own lives. And not dissimilar as a nation back in Jeremiah, Jeremiah's day as in our day today. And God said to Jeremiah then, he might say to us now, go and consider the potter in order that we might understand how we relate to God, how we relate, if we are the clay, how we relate to the potter. I'll make two points about preparation and, and just before that, a, a, general, a general point. Um, potting clay, the clay that you use to, to make a pot, you need to store it in a really cold, sort of fairly damp place, um, almost like a sort of fridge, or it's, it's not actually that, that cold. But if you just leave clay in, um, unformed clay at room temperature, it'll eventually dry out, and then it, it just becomes brittle, and you can't, you can't do anything with it. So it needs to be stored cold. But what that means is it's a bit like, I've got a couple of examples here of um, not actually potting clay. This is um, a, a physio, um, Vested interest, my wife used to be a physio, and this is um, physio clay, and it, uh, it, it's to help sort of bring strength and dexterity to your hand. And I've left it, I've just left it there for a bit, so it's, it's not, it's cooled. And actually, I'm going to need to, um, I'm just going to need to hold that in my hand and actually work it quite hard in order to, if you can see that, I mean, I'll apply as much pressure as I can. I'm beginning to squeeze it into different shape but you probably see my fingers are going white with the effort. And that's gonna to need to spend quite a bit of time in the warmth of my hand um, because it was, it was cold. By, by contrast, we, this morning we were playing with the, we have a worship for everyone, so all ages and stages welcome in the morning. So we were playing with the idea of clay and being formed and prepared. And so this is Play-Doh. And that's, this is, you can see, it's just, that's quite, quite easy to, to, to do, and so conversely, as I learned, it's quite easy, therefore, to spend most of the second half of your morning clearing up Play-Doh from the floor. Um, <laughs> I, might, I might just continue holding 
that, oh, actually, does anyone, because we get volunteers in the morning, um, and sometimes the evening go, oh, we're missing out with all this sort of fun. Does anyone, does anyone want to be my, my, my potter? You see, in the morning, they'd all go, me, 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 and I'd have a competition. Yeah, come on, Jen, catch. Excellent, just, yeah, look at that. Second test, when does that start? Sign her up. <laughs> uh, you just, yeah, uh, that's right, warm it up, warm it up. So clay is um, clay's cold, and it needs to be warmed. In, 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 that's part of the preparation, so that you can, it, it's malleable, it's, it's soft, it, it's shaped. Um, there's this, I was talking to someone who's sort of thinking about the preparation for this little series, and they said, yeah, I suppose, so I suppose clay basically on its own is just worthless, it's useless, it's, it has no value at all. No, I, I think clay potentially is beautiful when it's submitted to the hands of the potter. The, the, the interaction, the sort of, if you like, the codependency of clay and potter's hands, the skill of the potter and the malleability of the clay has the potential to create a thing of beauty. You, you, you know, you could put it on display and go, what people can, wow, that's beautiful. So is the clay worthless, useless? I, I, I'd hesitate to say yes to that. But on its own, it simply will not be able to craft a pot, a vase, a mug, or whatever it is. I mean, just mindful of Jesus' words in, in the Gospel of John, John 15. He uses the metaphor of the vine. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Abide in me connect with me, stay connected with me, like the potter's hands on the clay. We have a, um, these images, and, and, and if you jump on YouTube and just watch any YouTube vids of, of a potter with clay, you'll see that their hands never leave the clay. They're always in touch, they're very hands-on, constantly uh, feeling, shaping, making. That's, that's, that's the heart of our God, w wants to be hands-on with us, his people. Never, never leaves us to get cold, constantly looking to shape and form things in us. So, Jesus, John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me and I in you, and you'll, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you'll, you'll do nothing. So the clay, you know, apart from the potter, it, it's just a lump of inanimate stuff. But in the hands of a skilled potter, it is in potential, and when he's finished, in reality, a thing of beauty. So preparation, just very briefly, two things. Um, there's kind of external preparation and there's internal preparation. Have we got, have we got that, guys at the back, have we got that little um, film clip of the, yeah, here we go. Here, here's a potter preparing clay. That's her back. No, okay, that'll, that'll do, that's the that's end. Um, but it's just that, it's that bit. Actually, do you know, that, that preparation, that, that, that kneading the clay to warm it up, to make it malleable, takes two things. It takes quite a long time. You probably want to allow, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, maybe longer, to get a cold lump into warm, malleable clay. But the other thing you're, you're doing so that, so that it's responsive to the, the, 
the potter's hands. The other thing you're doing is you're getting rid of, so it's an external preparation, making it warm and malleable, but there's internal preparation. You're, the other thing you're doing is you're getting rid of um, blemishes or weaknesses, particularly little pockets of air. As you're, as you're kind of kneading and, and preparing the clay, if you've got even just a tiny little air bubble or a tiny little pocket of air, in a ball of clay, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But once you start to form a pot and you start to thin out the clay, and you're making it like, imagine you're making a, a vase that ultimately has sort of got a really thin wall. If in that width of clay there's an air bubble, then, then the whole thing, if the air bubble bursts, it just, the whole thing will collapse. I remember being in the, um, I, so I did some pottery, I'm, I have my hand up as well, I did some pottery a long time ago at school, um, and kind of this benign art teacher would patiently sort of teach us, you know, how to prepare the clay and center it and then make a thing. And um, I was too impatient. I, I just didn't spend enough time in preparation, and there's, a, there's, a, there's something to reflect on in and of itself. The preparation, the preparation, the preparation. And I was too impatient. I kind of want to make a pot. And so I, I made a pot. And obviously within the, the lump of clay that I put on the wheel and centered it, and I started to sort of make a pot, there was an air bubble. And it, it, as, the, as, the, as I made the, the wall of whatever I was making, as it got thinner and thinner, the, 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 the bubble, the, the clay, the, the bubble burst. And so the clay, and so what happened is the clay collapsed. But because this thing is spinning, and I was quite enthusiastic, and I had a sort of manual thing, so I was kind of kicking this thing, and this thing spinning around and around, making the foot. So when it collapses, it doesn't just sort of, it doesn't go like that. The thing just flew off. <laughs> There's clay everywhere. If, uh, did you, actually, did you see, um, you, I don't know if you were watching last night, did you see the little video of the Queen and Paddington? Yeah, just hands up if you, just so you, okay, I, I think I'll go with this reference. So you know the butler, when he, you know when Paddington lent in the sandwich, and the butler, like that. If you know, you know. Anyway, that was what it was, that was, what it was like in the, in the pottery thing. Just clay everywhere. I was covered in clay. This thing, disaster. What, it was just a tiny little air bubble, but it ruined the pot and created a whole load of collateral damage. As, uh, uh, sorry, I'm on, a, I'm on a bit of a roll now. I was, this morning, I was, uh, so I was sharing this kind of stuff this morning, and uh, there was a guy in the congregation. He said, I did art A-level, and as much of my A-level, I did a lot of pottery. He said, shall I tell you the thing that really freaked me out? I said, no, go on. He said, it's not, it's not the preparation, it's not the centering, it's not making the pot, and then you, when you finish the pot, you let it dry for two or three days until the kind of, all the wet from the process, you dry it out, and then you glaze it, and then you put it in the kiln. He said, that was the thing that freaked me out. Because if you've got away with an air bubble, if there's a little air bubble somewhere in your pot and you've got away with it, but when you put it in a kiln, what happens when you heat up air? It expands. So what happens in the kiln? You've put this glaze on and the glaze melts and, and sort of that, that sets first. So you've basically made a little bomb. And in the kiln, the thing, and the thing explodes. And it doesn't only, this is what freaked me out. These, here are guys who've been working for maybe three or four weeks on their prime A-level piece. And it, you don't just blow your pot up, you blow everything else up in the kiln. I thought I hadn't thought of that. But actually, again, if we, I mean, you're probably doing, are you doing all your sort of applications now? Yeah, if I don't sort my life out, I can, I can do so much damage to everyone else. Unless I allow God to prepare me. How are we doing, Jen? Yeah? Can you, do you want to talk about? Mm. <laughs> Oh yeah, look at you. 
Just, just some other reflections on this, because this, is, this, is this isn't potting clay. This is um, physioclay. It's designed to be resistant so that I, it strengthens your dexterity. But this is a whole lot more. Thank you, Jen, because I feel, feel it's warm and I can feel it's a lot more malleable. Um, a couple of quick reflections on, on this, and this is all in part of the preparation. And by the way, then I'm going to come into land in two, three minutes. We're going to worship, and I'd love within the context of that worship to pray with and for you and just encourage you to pray with and for one another on Pentecost Sunday that the potter's hands would, would um, shape and form his life in you. And again, that will go on into extended worship. But here's, here's the thing. Sometimes, um, and this is where we maybe have to, you know, depart from the pure analogy of clay and potter, because sometimes the clay is bruised or damaged or hurting. Will alluded to that earlier. And, and I, 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 don't, I, I sort of believe, really, if I extend this potter analogy, that actually the Lord's, he's described as a, like a gentle, like a mother hen. He's described as gentleness as much as power. There are times when he just, he just holds the clay. It's just, it's just the proximity, the presence, the warmth, and, and, in, and in all of that, the healing that the brings the, the, the life, the softness, the malleability to the clay. That's for some of us. There are others of us, maybe, you know, schooled in this modern era that it's all down to you. And actually, we've, when I say schooled, I'm, I mean, in a general sense, but also perhaps you've been to a good school, you've got, had a privileged education, had all these people telling you, you know, you actually are amazing, you are the future, you are, and we, we, we imbibe this, we believe it, we think, yeah, it's actually, it's all down to me, and I think sometimes we just need the potter to just squeeze and mold us into his image, not into what we may think through our entitlement and privilege. So sometimes there is, like we saw in the video, some, yeah, I just need to soften the rough edges and the kind of arrogance and independence and entitlement so that I, the potter, can shape you into how I envision your life if you will yield your life to me. At other times, as I say, he just holds us and the warmth and the comfort is what the clay needs. And I'm inviting you in these next four weeks as we look at preparation just now, uh, centering the clay, centering on God's will, being formed and shaped into wide, tall, whatever it is, all sorts of different shapes, every single one of us different, but shaped by God, and then finally fired, completed for the long haul. I, I just invite you to inhabit the metaphor, to ask on Pentecost Sunday, Spirit, what are you saying to me and to us? Just three quick possibilities. In, in the changes that many of you in your life stage will be going through, I think I'm aware of sort of five weddings that I'm sort of involved with or know of or sort of directly involved with people, you know, two becoming one. That's a significant life change. In the morning service, we have a number of people who got married two or three years ago, and little people have started coming along. There's another significant life change. This is, this is kiln stuff. Uh, um, and testing, fire, heat, isn't necessarily bad. We, it can be good things. 
change of circumstances, a promotion at work, or a new job, or maybe a new housemate, or I move to somewhere else. Uh, change, it can be good change, it can be great change, exciting change, but it can, it can bring, as it were, heat. And we just need to know that there's not anything in us that's going to explode and destroy us and potentially destroy others. So we allow the, the potter to need us, to, to kind of work us, so that when the heat comes, good or bad, when we're under pressure, we won't explode personally. Just as a church, we are, we're so excited to anticipate when the hall across the way is open in September. And uh, I want to speak in a month's time uh, with Laura and with Will as well. We want to speak about the vision for the partnership, church and charity, and all its implications. But there will be implications on us as a church and implications for us as a church in this community. Change, f- heat. And so as a church, so individually your own changes but corporately us as a church are we are we just in this season allowing the the potter to to prepare us for an amazing creation i really believe i'm so excited at what i anticipate god will do in and through this sort of partnership and combining this building renovated as it's been with that building renovated as it is currently being uh, and, the, and the, the sort of suite of buildings that we have available to the glory of God for the community, Parsons Green and beyond, that we, we, we just rehearse and live in the story of blessing Charlotte Sullivan over 100 years ago on down through this generation, through us here. But as we, as we, as we do that, it'll be heat. Um, are, we, are we being prepared by God? Just final thought is as a you know, nation, I don't know if you, how, how you are praying big prayers, but Here's my reflection on Jubilee, and I hope this isn't too morbid, but one commentator in a Sunday paper you know, reflected that we, we often sing on these occasions the national anthem, and including the line, long to reign over us. And let's be honest, she's 96. She's not long to reign over us. And this is, this is the woman who, who, as a young woman, she's 25, came out with this, I'm dedicating my life to serving you under God. How many 25-year-olds do you know who who would willingly come out with that, that life vision today. And I, I say that just because when Elizabeth passes, God bless her, it, it will signify in, in all sorts of ways the end of an era. We've been living in an Elizabethan era. I'm, I'm an old man, and yet I've only ever known Queen Elizabeth. Um, I mean, anyone under the age of 70, and let's say 75, is consciously not aware of any other monarchs. Most, or well, huge proportion of the population. It's been, it's been an unbelievable era, and, and it, is, it is coming to an end. And, and when we enter into a new era, we will, we'll, for a while, just as a nation, we'll be kind of looking for our kind of moral, and sociological, psychological, spiritual compass. I wonder how many people who occasionally go to church, kind of, sort of, you know, kind of God-fearing, tune in to Christmas, uh, three o'clock, and, and actually draw more from her Christian faith, either overtly, often overtly, or sometimes covertly expressed, draw more from that than they realize. And when she's gone, 
let's pray for Charles. Let's pray for the new era. But I, I, I just, I wonder whether it will be different. And, and God will be looking across the nation for men and women gathered together and for churches that are willing to be shaped and formed by him, who will stand for him and speak for him, who, who are prepared to be heated in, in, in the fires and the tests that no doubt will come in this new era. We get the chance to practice one with another in our life groups and in our own individual changes and life stages. And as we, as we help to, as it were, refine one another, to be, as it were, God's potter's hands for one another. We, we practice what it is to be a people of God who listen to prophets like Jeremiah, who pay attention to the potter and seek God's will in our lives. Let's pause for a moment and just invite yeah, Matt and the musicians.